If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough and Yeti. I partnered with Mountain Tough because a lot of the tactics and hunt styles I talk about in this podcast require you to be in the best physical shape you can. Their app is designed for hunters to get you ready for the backcountry or any hunt you have planned this fall. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine, and they make some of the toughest products out there that are built to last and they're built for the wild. Welcome back to the Live Wild podcast, everyone. Last week, we covered a shot process when rifle hunting, as well as ways to practice out on the range to fight target panic, especially when it comes to going out in the field. This week, we're going to dive into the deep end and tackle some of the same concepts, but with archery, including why target panic affects bow hunters, some other ways you can maybe make a bad shot in that moment of truth by not having proper form, as well as some tricks to getting over target panic if you have it, and some different choices and releases and shooting styles. But before we do that, I want to tell the story of a deer that was too close to miss. I definitely think probably one of my favorite hunts every year would be an early season archery mule deer hunt, especially in that time frame of like August to maybe beginning of September. Uh, There's just nothing like it. And I, I love being in the high country. I love chasing velvet clad mule deer. Uh, The thing that I like most about it is it's just this really true spot and stock game. It's probably the most efficient way to hunt, but it's just so difficult as well. Uh, When everything finally comes together, it it just makes it so worth it. So a few years back, actually quite a while now, um, I was hunting this this particular area in Nevada. It's uh, just like early August season, high country unit. My plan was, all right, I was just hunting by myself, so I backpacked in above Timberline and was just going to go check out this particular spot. I'd hunted the unit before, but never this particular area, so just kind of changing things up and and kind of going and exploring a little bit on my own. It started out, I I wasn't really seeing that many deer. Um, I think it was just, one, a little bit of low density, and two, it was a little more open than I had expected. So uh, that, that time of year, the open's nice, but too open you know, isn't, isn't great because they still need that cover. So I started, I actually hiked to a different spot and and found some good cover. Started glassing and, and then kind of focusing on places where, okay, there's water and then there's good shade with these, these just kind of changed the orientation of the hill where the, the cliffs actually made more shade. And then there was some Aspen patches and a little bit of everything. So I ended up spotting this group of deer and with some good bucks in it. It was a bachelor group and, uh, one really nice buck in it big typical buck with a little bit of trash on it trash we mean like a couple little cheaters coming off and um that's like where they kick off the mainframe just going the opposite way of everything that normally grows so it was a you know a decent non-typical buck awesome looking deer definitely something that i wanted to stock so i planned this stock 
the way it's laid out is like there's the top of the ridge and there's actually this like nice little rim below it, a little bit of a saddle. And then just like this big, I would say like big mahogany patch below that. So there's a lot of good options for bedding. There's like some cliff bedding, some mahogany bedding. And then there was this one little up above the mahoganies. There was like this aspen patch below these rocks. And I'm out on this knob, like looking up into this basin. So I'm on the knob and I'm watching this buck and I'm, sweet it's actually a group of deer and the bigger buck like goes away like they, they go to do their morning bed and the bigger buck just breaks away from the group and i'm thinking in my head this is the best case scenario he breaks away from the group and just starts feeding off on his own and that's like all right sweet we've got this deer that's a good buck and there's no other eyes around it, it doesn't get any better than this so I watch, I, I decided, okay, I'm going to watch this deer and, and see where he goes and hopefully he beds up in a good spot and I'll be able to sneak in, make a good play. So I watch the deer and sure enough, he's feeding, 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 and he goes and beds in this little patch of about three aspens below this big boulder. The wind is blowing uphill so I can make my approach from the top. I can tell that that big boulder is probably only 30 yards from him. And I think to myself, like, there is no better scenario. This deer's maybe, I don't know, a mile and a half away. And I just decide, okay, I'm going to make a move. I, you know, in hindsight, thinking, uh, I knew that that was probably the first time he was going to bed and he'd probably get up and re-bed. But it was such an ideal position. I just thought if I go as fast as I can, I can pop over the other side of the ridge where I'm at. I got a, a decent climb, but not impossible. And then I can just boogie to where he is and drop down behind him. It'll be easy to identify where he's at because I've got this big boulder. I've got all this stuff. This is a sure deal in my, in my mind. So I'm going over there. I, I'm making my moves. I get up to the top, peek over before I get too close. He's still bedded there, tucked in tight. And I mean, just this is the perfect stock. I am taking a trophy photo in my mind. I am already eating backstraps in camp. I'm already texting my friends saying like, D just done. This is game over. So I pop over, I work into that rock and I'm just, I'm, I've, I actually took my shoes off, took my boots off, took my pack off. I'm creeping in to the rock and expecting the deer to still be bedded. Well, as I'm moving into the rock, there's like a bunch of other big rocks and little ledges that I kind of got to move down to get into position. And I'm completely blocking where I last saw that deer. So as I'm moving down, I'm kind of like a little ways away from that spot, but I know I'm on the right path. And I pop down on this little ledge and there's this bush just off to my right, kind of as I go through this little saddle and I see antler tips. And it's just like, I'm in that half walk, half like crowd. I was still kind of moving fairly quick and I just freeze. I'm in this awkward position on the hill, on these rocks. I immediately get an arrow on my string and I see this buck just starts. I can tell he's going to walk right out. I'm like, at this point, it was like, I was fully anticipating this deer going to be bedded, have like the right, everything set up. And now this deer is moving past me and I'm like caught in a really bad position, uh, kind of in the open. And I look, I'm like, this deer is close. I was guessing him about 25, 30 yards. 
in my head, I was just like, oh, there's, there's no way I can miss this puck, right? I draw back, and as I draw back, I, I think I just rushed it. I mean, I drew back. I'm now, my feet are facing, like, if you were to draw a line between my toes, they're facing downhill, and this buck's off to my right now. So I'm, like, got this weird position. As I draw back, the buck looks at me. I get, like, that panic in my brain. Oh, no, he's going to run. I've got to shoot. I, I put the pin, essentially what I think, on the release the arrow and shot right over the deer's back and immediately sat down and regretted everything that I did because I knew that when I was thinking back on that moment, it just was so rushed. It was so surprised. I probably shouldn't have been surprised, but it just seemed like I had no time. I had to make a shot. Everything was awkward. Nothing was right about it. And when I think back, I wasn't even sure. I know I was looking at the deer, but I definitely didn't pick a spot. I definitely didn't aim well. Clearly, I did a lot of things wrong. I'm probably, you know, anticipated the shot, jerked. Whatever I did, it was a clean miss. And I didn't even come close to touching a deer that in my head I knew should have been a done deal. Like there was no reason for me to miss, but it was just all the excuses combined. I panicked and I ended up missing a deer because of uh, essentially not going through a process and, and choosing to make a good shot, just letting the moment rush me into making that decision and then shooting right over the back of a really good deer. When we look at what target panic is in archery, it's definitely a very, I would say, extremely common thing that happens from just target shooters all the way through to even Olympic shooters. Um, it can happen with long bows, traditional equipment, compound bows. It doesn't really matter. And, and what essentially is happening is your brain is having some kind of psychological or neurological, essentially, um, realistically, panic that may be kind of based on a high level of anxiety, a fear of failure, or, or even just something subconsciously that causes you to not shoot in the proper form, that causes you to uh, do a couple of different things. I mean, I've seen it happen where uh, guys get target panic in a way that they're actually releasing the bow before coming to full anchor. Um, they just, like, the guy was like, all of a sudden, ah, shooting the bow off. It can also, like, happen where... Uh, somebody maybe has developed something where when they shoot, they essentially like jerk the arrow away from the target because they're having trouble holding the pin on the bull or the vitals or whatever it is. Um, it can even happen just as a way of, you know, making a rushed shot when something isn't right. Uh, and there's a lot of things and a lot of factors that go into it, why it happens, how it happens, how it affects you. But the, at the end of the day, what's happening is the person who's shooting the arrow isn't shooting the arrow where it's supposed to go, right? The bow's sighted in, everything's right, but it's the shooter that's doing something unintentional that uh, is causing that arrow to not connect with where it needs to go. And this can happen for a lot of reasons. So I think that one of the main reasons or one of the main things that causes target panic is this anticipation of uh, getting the, the pin on where it needs to be. So it can develop like the more you shoot. If you're shooting for a very long time, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then one day it's just like, 
All right, for some reason, you cannot get that pin to stay on the target. So you start moving around, and then you start your body starts trying to snap it in there or jerk it in there, main quick reaction. It can happen um, in the ex excitement of the moment, but it can also just be anticipating the shot. A lot of um, a lot of shooters that develop it are actually use like an index release or a trigger type release. And what's happening is you have a lot of nerves at the end of your finger, and you can feel that trigger, and your brain's saying, shoot 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 or it's telling you to rush that shot um, there's a lot of like thought process that can go into this if you've ever like drawn back on something right and and it maybe it happens all the time maybe it happens only when you're shooting at animals maybe it only happens when you're shooting at targets maybe it only happens after you've shot at a lot of targets uh, for me i would say you know like I, i've been very fortunate that i haven't really developed any major target panic when it comes to hunting scenarios. But when I shoot targets, um, I actually developed a pretty good target panic early. Well, I'd say, I don't know, it was quite a while ago um, because I didn't actually originally really understand how to shoot a bow. I kind of taught myself. And the way that I taught myself would be essentially this method of, I guess, like pretty much slapping the trigger and shooting with the movement. Now, you're like, oh, that doesn't sound very accurate. The trouble is, for me, it was extremely accurate. I was extremely good at a, a shooting style where I would just not have my finger near the trigger and just, like, almost kind of shoot with the movement and just slap that trigger. Um, it was kind of a way that I just taught myself to shoot, and I became really, really proficient with it. And then I was at some archery shoot. I think I've told this story in the past, but I was at some archery shoot, and I was doing very well <laughs> i was actually like winning and um somebody was watching me shoot and they're like you shouldn't shoot like that that's not how you shoot a bow and i don't know what caused that but it just got in my head that i was shooting wrong and um i just started to like almost uh, like think about the shot more and i, I ended up shooting not, i mean not immediately after that but later on in practice and other things shooting really poorly because the way that I shot was more of this like just I don't even know I can't, it's really hard to explain but it worked really well um but I was essentially like always anticipating where the bow is going and then setting the bow like releasing at that moment of movement and push it kind of like pushing and pulling the shot into the bullseye and there are people that can be super efficient with it. But what ended up happening was I started thinking about it in this way that caused me to do it at the wrong times. And I was not able to shoot as well as I did before. So I had to completely like relearn the way that I shot. So I, I did a lot of research. I started talking to people and kind of doing this more method where I'm holding on the target and trying to take a still shot as opposed to anticipating the movement of the shot. And through that, um, essentially trying to get a surprise release and having that arrow go where it's supposed to, which is an extremely effective way to hunt because, or, or extremely effective way to shoot because if the bow surprises you and you're holding on the target, then the arrow should go where it's supposed to. And that's, and that's good. And to be actually honest, I, I probably was um, a lot better with that, uh, my own <laughs> method that ended up not working out well. So it wasn't like I, I went from a method that was really bad to a method that was better, but I had to relearn this new method of shooting to not anticipate the shot because my brain just started taking over, anticipating these shots, feeling rushed. And it was especially 
during target shooting. Um, so I'd get this like rushed feeling of, okay, good enough. I got to shoot. I got to shoot. Sorry. I can't get the pin on the bullseye. And so I have to go now. And it was like this weird thing in my mind that just caused me to shoot bad. So through practice and repetition and, and developing essentially a shot process for taking every shot, setting it up right. So in my mind, I go through one little thing at a time. I was able to kind of, uh, get rid of that target panic on shooting it like targets or or whatever and um and then kind of change the way that i shot which translated into changing the way that i shot when i was hunting we're talking a little bit about target panic but there's also a lot of other ways to miss when it comes to being in the field and shooting with a bow the hard part generally is getting into position getting close enough you know sneaking in on an animal that's extremely hard to get close to and then there's nothing worse, in my opinion, than doing all that hard work and, and that arrow not going where it's supposed to. The, the single thing that you need to connect with an animal is to make a good shot. And so I, have, I just really, I'm really big on making that one shot count. But there's a lot of things that I've found over the years that I didn't even notice that can cause that shot to not go where it's supposed to. Because when you're shooting in the range, when you're shooting in your backyard, when you're just practicing all summer, even when you're doing a 3D tournament, you've got time. You aren't in these rushed positions. But when these rushed positions happen, when the excitement of an animal is in front of you, you tend to do things that kind of affect your form in your shooting. And so I think that some of the other ways that people miss a lot uh, now this is not this is saying that the animal's staying perfectly there. It's not jumping the string, you know that happens. The animal moves or does something, and that's out of your control. But what is in your control is how that shot, like if that shot's going where it's supposed to, when you release that arrow. And I would say that the major misses that happen that people don't even understand why they missed is from some kind of bad form. There's a lot of how well you're shooting based upon your grip. So I think a lot of people, when they get into a position, they're in different clothes. Maybe they're wearing gloves. Maybe they're excited. They do something different to the bow. Something that happens a lot is just putting a lot of torque on the bow in a way that it's going to make the bow not shoot just right. That could be with a bad grip, but it could also be uh, in a scenario where you've moved in and like that story where I had to make it, I stopped, I froze. I was in this really bad position. Then essentially what I had to do is draw back where I'm now squared off. Like my leg, my knees would have been facing the animal as opposed to being the way that I've continually practiced side to side. That puts a lot of torque on the string and that cause that can cause the shot to go left. It can cause the shot to go right. It can cause the shot to do a lot of different things. It also kind of affects your anchor point. And then there's the third thing of just punching that shot, um, you know, maybe not even getting target panic, but trying to rush something and, and just not necessarily settling in, especially if you got like an index or trigger type release, not taking the right kind of shot, but just adding extra movement and motion to the shot. There's a million things that can go wrong, but what we want to do is we want to kind of create a shot process to eliminate a lot of those things so we don't forget. So in the moment, of sneaking in on an animal and needing to make a good shot we have everything ready so even on those shots that look like a gimme we don't do something or a combination of a lot of things that make us essentially everything looks right and then go through the process and make a bad shot so i broke down what i would consider i guess probably pretty much like nine steps of what i think about when I move in to make a shot and I don't just start this in the field, but this is something that when I'm out shooting 
target in my backyard, a bag in my backyard, a 3D target. I go through the same process and I try to put myself in kind of different positions throughout practicing in the summertime, in the off season to kind of, you know, test these these little things. And everybody might develop a little bit of a different shot process, but this is kind of the things that I go through. So the first thing I think about is setting my body. If my body is aligned poorly, and now, of course, in the field, you're going to encounter scenarios where you just, you gotta, you gotta make do with what you got, right? But there's certain times where, let's say I'm crawling in on a bedded mule deer buck and I'm gonna wait on this deer. So I crawl in, I see this happen so many times. I've done it myself personally. I see guys that I've, while I'm guiding, do this, right? You'll crawl into an animal, everything's right. Okay, now we're, we're gonna sit there and wait. And we're sitting there waiting, like kind of sitting facing the animal. And if you think about it, okay, now then something happens. The buck stands up and you go to draw back. And what happens? Well, you're, you're twisting your body at a weird angle that puts that, like I said earlier, that weird torque on your bow that actually makes it really hard to settle the pin where you want it. You're already kind of setting yourself up for a lot of struggle that's going to create some kind of target panic or some kind of bad shot because you've put yourself in a weird position. You've had trouble finding your anchor. You're going to have trouble getting the pin exactly where you want it because your body is in a really awkward position to make a shot. So the first thing I do is I line my shot up. I like to kind of think of if I ran like a, uh, a ruler to my toes that my toes would be pointing at my target. Now, if I'm kneeling, I do the same thing with my knees, but anytime I move in and sneak up and stalk, or when I go to draw, I think about setting my feet, setting my body in the way that I want to shoot. Of course, it's not always possible, but if I think about it, I can always, I generally 99.5% of the time can figure out a way to get my body set right. That might mean, you know, having to reposition a little bit or do something, but I can figure out a way if I think about it ahead of time. If I start my draw process and don't think about setting my body, I'd say nine times out of 10, I've got my body set in a bad position. So the first step is just thinking about setting my feet, setting my body in that position where I can execute a good shot because the way that I shoot, I'm trying to just essentially pull from my hand that's holding the bow to the hand that's holding a string and pull it straight back in a straight line so everything's lined up and goes straight. And I'm going to get a lot better shot that way. So step one, set my body. Step two, before I draw back, I think about my grip. Uh, I personally have this, the way that I grip is two fingers on the riser. And, you know, I've, I've messed with, I've messed with my grip probably more than anything. Every, and it's surprising how much your grip like impacts the way that you shoot. I've really had to mess with my grip a lot since I've been shooting that mouth tab because in, when I shoot, with a regular release, there's a lot of times at full draw, I can kind of tweak my grip a little bit and fix things. With this mouth tab, I have to like essentially push it out exactly how I'm gonna hold it. Cause once it's out there, it's out there and there's no going back. There's no fixing it. One little movement here or there puts so much torque on that bow that it's not even gonna come close to the target. Um, so I've, I, that's something that I've definitely had to even kind of think about more and more lately. But after setting my body, I think about my grip. And one thing when you're practicing, you want to just be consistent with that grip. However you grip your bow, that's how you need to grip it when you're hunting. And so to continually think about it, bring it top of the mind. So set body, grip. Then I get ready. I draw back. Okay. I go from that draw cycle. Now the next step is that anchor. I want to find that permanent anchor place where I always put it. And then 
the next step after that is aligning the peep. I get my peep and I align it with my site housing. The site that I use actually has, it's the Spot Hog Fast Eddy. Uh, it's actually the XL one. And it's got like this um, color ring, whatever kind it is. I prefer a site that is circular. I know there's oblong sites. I know there's all kinds of different shapes and sizes, but I like circular because, um, I mean, I grew up shooting like competition target rifles and we used peep sights and it was just concentric lining up concentric circles and i like that fact of being able to line my peep up as an extra anchor point to the site housing to make sure everything's right so i draw back i anchor in i align my peep then i check my level there's so many times when i if you forget to check that level if you're shooting at distance it's going to make a difference um, i check the level and then I pick that. Now it's time. Okay, the bow's set. And all this can happen in a very seamless, very quick amount of time. This is not like it takes me longer to, to even think about it in some cases than to do it. Um, so check the level. And now it's once the bow is, everything's right for that shot. Now it's time for the aiming portion. I pick a spot first that I want to hit. Then I aim and I put the pin on that spot. I'm looking at the spot. I put the pin on that spot and then I just focus in. I just continually think about holding my pin on that spot. And as I do that, I'm pulling through. And as I pull through the shot breaks and at the end of that shot, generally, unless something jumped or something happened that I wasn't expecting, hit a branch that I wasn't expecting, which does happen, uh, there will be a, a, an animal at the end of that blood trail. Now for me, having switched over to this mouth tab for the time being, the pull through has changed to me saying, relax my jaw, which is actually, um, it's not a, it's not a natural thought. I might have to change that because it's actually starting to cause some form of like, I'm trying to do the push pull thing. And then you think about relaxing your jaw and it's almost too thought. It's like thinking about hit the trigger. It's, it's, it's something I got to kind of figure something out. Maybe I'll just say, gotcha or something, the release. Uh, but that's essentially my shot process. So I'll go through it one more time. It's setting my body, gripping the bow, drawing to my anchor, aligning the peep, checking the level, picking a spot, aiming, then focusing as I pull through. And I just think like focus on the spot, focus on the spot, focus on the spot, focus on the spot, and then that shot breaks. I would say that when you think about this, right, you practice shooting your bow, you've got all these skills, you sneak in, you make it happen. And yeah, of course, you can definitely sneak in and, and you don't have to, like if you don't always think about these things, you will find success. But I found that the little details are the things that I've found consistent success with and it's just these little tiny things of going through this process because there's a lot of instances where I probably would not have been successful if I didn't set my body up right and I wouldn't have thought about it I know that's just the way that I am I, I creep in it's the way that a lot of people well, probably everybody you creep in an opportunity presents itself you just think like oh I'll just shoot that deer and then something's a little bit off something happens and it's just that one little tweak of a thing that caught is the difference between success and and telling a story of a miss or a bad shot or, or something like that it's all these little things 
combined. So having this kind of process that you can go through is extremely beneficial into getting your head into making that good shot. In some ways for me, this becomes, it's just like a fluid motion at this point, but I would definitely suggest starting to break it down and think about each one of these things individually as you practice shooting. So when you go into the field, you don't forget a step, you don't miss a step. Now, I do want to take a little bit of time to talk about, because I'm sure there's quite a few people that have are like, okay, cool, I shoot a bow, and get some form of target panic, whether it's, you know, it's maybe not even all the time, but um, I think there are a few things that end up causing target panic more than others. Uh, a really popular, and some of it can just come down to, yeah, changing up and switching up the type of gear. So I think that if you aren't doing a surprise type release, you're probably most prone to uh, developing some sort of target panic or um, having like punching that trigger in some way as you move off the target to, to make that bow go off. So there's a few things that you can do. Um, I know a lot, I've, a lot of guys that I know have switched their type of release. So they, they switch from an index strap type release to maybe some sort of thumb button release, hinge release, or even just a full back tension release. For me personally, I still shoot with an index rat wrist strap trigger style release, uh, especially when I'm hunting. But I do have other releases that I will shoot. If I'm shooting a lot of arrows throughout the day, I always have a couple different re releases in my pocket. And it's not that I'm going to hunt with them, um, but it's just to kind of get the mechanics back, right? So I'll, uh, I'll actually just be shooting, 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 shooting. And then at some point, Maybe it's like I made a couple bad shots. Okay, well, let's make sure that is everything right. And I'll, I'll throw that um, back tension release on and get a few shots with that off. You say, okay, yep, my form's the same. Um, everything's right. And just kind of like to trick myself into saying like, okay, make sure that your shooting style is correct. Now, when we talk about shooting style, you know, a, a more back tension type release. And, and I'm by no means a target archer. I, I mean, I'll shoot targets. I love shooting my bow, but for me, the real, like the real crux of it is everything I do is for hunting. Um, I, it's like, I'm fully focused on hunting. And when it comes to shooting the, the equipment that I choose and the other things I choose are for hunting. Um, but it's been extremely successful for me to kind of think of it that way. It's like, all right, all this other stuff is just for hunting. So I practice in hunting type scenarios. I shoot in those uncomfortable awkward positions or like you know on hills other things like I, I like that kind of practice and I like the kind of equipment that I feel like I found a lot of success with hunting so I always have that strap index release but what I do the way that I shoot it is instead of putting my finger on it I kind of make if you'd imagine like a um like you're gonna like throat punch someone right you've got like your a classic throat punch fist where you've got kind of your fingers uh, bent over and and try to keep those things consistent where my hands in the same place then I'm pulling back and it's the pulling back motion that that essentially I'm pushing and pulling at the same time that essentially activates the trigger there are times when it's windy and I need to punch the trigger and that's why I like to have a trigger because um, there are times when I need to make a fast shot I need to make a shot while I'm moving and I kind of revert back to the original way that I learned to shoot but um, having kind of shot so many different ways over the years, I, I, I was able to kind of work out of that temporary target panic um, by just kind of having good form and going through a shot process. But there, that's why one of the reasons that I like to shoot 
a release now um or that kind of release i think the thumb button is really good i would i personally would never just hunt with like a pure back tension release it's just i i don't like the idea of that for me because for the most of the places that i hunt it, there's a lot of wind and i don't like that variable like i think that there's some times when you have to punch the trigger personally but um, i know there's people that probably debate that but i think that in a lot of hunting scenarios there are those times that you have to do something a little bit different but for the most part you know having a surprise type release when you're just focused on where that arrow needs to go and you're doing everything right and then that bow goes off is the best way to shoot another thing that i would recommend if you're something like hey i'm getting a little bit of target panic uh, I, I need a kind of a new way to shoot. Now you've got this, this shot process. You go through all the steps. You know, changing a few things in your gear can make a big difference. One thing that I switched to, I went from a multi-pin sight to just kind of a single pin. It's a single double pin, but I like that. Now there is that, for some people, maybe you shoot a single pin and that act of having to move the pin or an animal moving creates some sense of urgency and rush. There's nothing worse for target panic than this rushed sensation. It causes you to say, oh gosh, I have to shoot. I have to shoot. Okay, that's good enough. Shoot. And it causes you to do things that you generally wouldn't do. So switching some things in your gear can be a really good way to kind of focus in. I prefer that single pin now because it gives me a better focus on the target. There's less going on. There's less things I have to think about. I can set it. And I even practice shooting that like out with gaps. I personally shoot really well uh, like by gap shooting or just understanding the trajectory of that arrow. Some people don't, um, but maybe, you, maybe you've got a single pin and you're like, okay, there's, there's things going on. Maybe try switching to multi-pin sight. Maybe you've got a multi-pin sight and you're like, all right, I don't see my target well. You start to get a little panicky. Uh, maybe try switching to a single pin sight. It might slow things down for you. It might cause you to focus in a little bit better and make a better shot. Because at the end of the day, as hunters, we want to be out there and be the most proficient as possible and capitalize on those rare opportunities when we get into range and can make a good shot. So it comes down to the shot. And by just doing a few of these little things, I think you're going to find that you'll be a lot better shot when crunch time happens. I am really excited for this fall season to kick off. It's like, it's, it's going to be here before we know it. You know, one of my favorite I would say like down times of the year is this summertime because that's when I spend the most time really just outside at the range, really fine tuning my setup. I might take some weekends and, and just throw like hike around with the target and just put it in some interesting type shots. And, and I'm really looking forward to getting that kind of practice because for me, you know, I'll be shooting my new mouth tab for the first part of the fall for sure. Who knows how long after, um, I actually just had a revision surgery last week. So, um, the first surgery didn't take this second one. It's feeling better already, but it kind of put me back on that, uh, slow recovery path. So I've got to just, you know, I'm in my mind saying, okay, I need to figure out how to be the most proficient with this type of shooting. And so I'm just doing these same things, uh, essentially like kind of learning a new way of, of, it's not learning a new way of doing something, but it's kind of like, I feel like in some ways starting out again. And so I really am kind of thinking about the things that I kind of take for granted um, in a lot of ways, personally, you know, like the shot process. And I really had to revisit this whole shot process thing because 
I'm learning a new way to shoot and all these things are becoming exponentially more difficult if I don't do this process because when I've got that mouth tab thing, it's like, all right, if I, if I don't have my hand grip just right, it's not right. If I don't bite on the right place, then my anchor's off a little bit. If I don't move my head just enough to align that peep, then it's off. I check the level. Like there's, it's like everything is compoundingly more difficult in some ways. So by kind of revisiting the shot process thing, this is something that I'm redoing and, and thinking a lot about right now. And I'm really excited to kind of take that into my summer practice and and just get, you know, even more and more proficient with it. So that's something that I'm really excited about. I've got some some hunts coming up, mule deer hunt and quite a few different little pronghorn hunts that I was kind of wanting to make this year about chasing mule deer. And now I have like the only thing I've drawn is like pronghorn tags. So I'll be doing some serious pronghorn hunting this year. But um, I do have a few tags in my pocket that I'm excited about. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear from you guys as well as you go into the summer season about maybe what the you maybe something that you want to think about or something that you want to learn. And one of the ways that we can do that is next week, we're going to be doing our live call in Q&A. So um, when you hear uh, the podcast next week, it'll be about 1030 a.m. Pacific time. You can go on uh, the best way, like last time we did it, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, so it was delayed, but it'll be Thursday, 1030 Pacific time in the morning. Uh, check my social media for the call-in number. It's the same as it always is, but um, check for the call-in number and just make sure everything's right on Instagram. And I'd love to talk with you guys, chat with a few people, get some questions, uh, whatever you guys got. Maybe it's for upcoming season. Maybe it's some tips and tactics, whatever it is. I've been really enjoying those Q&As. So the way it works is uh, once those lines open, people can call in. I think maybe 20 people can sit in the call-in thing. I try to get through as many questions as I can. Uh, for the most part, once I've talked to someone, I drop them off. So if you do continually keep calling, you might bump back in. And then um, I'll be doing a few, I like to give away a few things on those call-ins and, and make it kind of like old school radio. Uh, I know people have been enjoying that. I've really been enjoying that. So uh, next Thursday, make sure to, to, to check that out. Give us a call. We're going to be doing that live q and I'm really excited about that. So, um, oh, and then, yeah, just uh, as a reminder, I've got that outdoor class going right now. So a lot of people asked about it. So I've got a mule deer course on there. You have access to all the courses, so it's a it's an annual subscription. There will continually be more courses added. Um, so you know if you got that, you can always use code Remy as well. Because at the end of that, um, like probably the end of July is when I'm going to do it. I'll just send everybody that uses that code Remy an email with just an like a way to get into a group meeting, and then we'll do like a cool kind of like little roundtable discussion, kind of a, a little smaller more, I guess, in some ways, more private, um, you know, Q&A, not more private than the call-in, but like similar in that way. So that's something to look forward to if you guys want to. I really appreciate everybody that listens. You know, feel free as always, drop a comment, leave a rating, send it to a friend, listen to it twice, whatever you got to do. I appreciate you guys so much. Thanks. And until next week, let's just say, keep aiming till the bow breaks. Not like physically breaks, you know, but till the shot breaks. Speaking of breaks, oh, I had a, I had a friend that accidentally dry fired a bow this last week. This is just this is a second ending, but um, 
brand new to bow hunting. And he's like, why does nobody talk about it? Don't ever dry fire a bow. So don't break the bow. So aim until the shot breaks, not the bow breaks. <laughs> Catch you guys later.